looked into her eyes, and in a flat... Sorry, whoops, getting ahead of myself. Welcome back to another episode of The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 636. I looked into her eyes, and in a flash of understanding, I realized what her life must be like. A thousand years old and lonely from time to time. If she wanted companionship, she had to seduce and lure. And for what? An evening of company? An hour? How long could an average man last before his will broke, and he became as mindless as a fawning dog? Not long. And who would she meet in the forest? Farmers and hunters? What entertainment could they provide, slaved to her passions? I felt a moment of pity for her. I know what loneliness is like. I took the lute from its case and began to tune it. I struck an experimental chord and carefully tuned it again. What to play for the most beautiful woman in the world? It wasn't hard to decide, actually. My father had taught me to judge an audience. I struck up Sisters Flynn. If you've never heard of it, I'm not surprised. It's a bright and lively song about two sisters gossiping while they argue over the price of butter. Most people want to hear stories of legendary adventure and romance. But what do you play for someone out of legend? What do you sing for a woman who has been the object of romance for a mortal age? You play her songs of ordinary people. So I hoped. She clapped delightedly at the end of it. More! More? She smiled hopefully, cocking her head to make it a request. Her eyes were wide and eager and adoring. I played her Larm and his Ale Pot. I played her Blacksmith's Daughters. I played her a ridiculous song about a priest chasing a cow that I'd written when I was ten and never even named. Fullerian laughed and applauded. She covered her mouth in shock and her eyes in embarrassment. The more I played, the more she reminded me of a young country wife attending her first fair, full of pure joy, face shining with innocent delight, eyes wide in amazement at everything she sees. And lovely, of course. I concentrated on my fingering, so as not to think about it. After each song, she rewarded me with a kiss that made it difficult to decide what to play next. Not that I minded horribly. I'd come to realize rather quickly that I preferred kisses to coins. I played her Tinker Tanner. Let me tell you, the image of Fullerian, her quiet, fluting voice singing the chorus of my favorite drinking song, is something that will never, never leave me. Not until I die. All the while, I felt the charm she had on me slacken, bit by bit. It gave me room to breathe. I relaxed and let myself slide a little farther out of the heart of the end of the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. And before we go on, I have to say this. Kvothe is playing the song of his people. <laughs> it's true. He is. He is doing that. I don't get it. It's it's an older meme, Jordana. But it's an older meme, but it checks out. That's right. Um, uh, th- this this choice, I don't know. I mean, it strikes me as verisimilitudinous, I, you know, because it works. And obviously there is no creatures of legend in the real world. I'm not, I don't know. It's just, it's it's cute. It's funny. The idea that the thing that she would most be excited by was like stories of ordinary folk doing ordinary things. Yeah, it's like that cartoon of a bunch of dragons sitting around the D&D table, but they're playing like, you know, humans in households or whatever. They just Yeah, like, they're playing TPS reports. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's what it's what you don't know, right? The thing that is interesting is the thing you don't know. Indeed. Yeah, true say. Uh, we, and, and speaking of don't know, the only song we've encountered before, as far as I know, is Tinker Tanner, which is interesting because we've, we've heard a lot of song titles and it's not like Quoth is always playing songs of legend and, and romance and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So the, I, the sense I get is that these are like even more mundane songs than the mundane songs that he plays well, when he chooses to play them. And like there's, I feel like there's standards, right? Like I think I, I have to imagine that a lot of a trooper's repertoire is, yeah, like songs that you know at least somebody's going to want to hear. Maybe not, you know, and you have to know your audience, as he says. So you know, maybe not every audience he plays for wants to hear something complex and erudite like the Lay of Circevia, and maybe sometimes people just want to hear a song about a barmaid or whatever. Um, but. I also want to just talk about the top of the page, if that's all right, because I think that Quoth, this is like a trope in fantasy that I really enjoy, like a, a magical being, perhaps immortal, often unique. Uh, and because of that, lonely, right? You, like if you are powerful and immortal, your perspective on the world is so different and there isn't anyone else like you. So you're always going to be a little bit lonely because no one else can understand the world the way you do. Uh, and for Faluria, there's also the element of like, she can't ever trust that the way people talk to her or feel about her is genuine because she exudes this overpowering glamor that most people are completely helpless to resist. Well, as we'll learn on tomorrow's page, she's not particularly interested in 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 genuine interest by people. Well, I, I don't think that's true. I think that it takes a while for her to come to see Quoth as a full and complete human being, because from her perspective as an immortal predator, human beings are just food, right? They're they're amusements. They're yeah, toys. and entertainment. Like I think, like she she wants entertainment, right? But she's happy to sing along with this. But I don't think that she's particularly interested in like having a fulfilling relationship at this time, at any rate. But, I don't think that that's true. I think Quoth has correctly, like, I think he he hasn't quite figured it out yet. Like, it is totally because he's not completely aware that she's not going to let him leave. But I think she he's right that she's lonely and that she would like a peer to talk to. Maybe that's why she makes Bast. I mean, I, I was I think it becomes clear that that's why she ends up letting him hang around without driving him mad. Yes. Cool. Is that all you have to say on this page, Jordana? Kinda, yeah. I don't. I feel like I don't have a whole lot for this page because it's. I mean, like you guys kind of said everything too. I just, I, I don't know. There's just not a lot here for me. You described on a previous page, the the kind of sympathetic delight you felt when Quoth got a little bit of money in his pocket when they looted the bandits. Mm-hmm. I feel the same way when he describes how the memory of playing Tinker Tanner for Falurian and watching her sing along will never leave him. That is a very sweet, uh, delightful image that I, I'm glad that Quoth can carry with him even into his rather dismal life as Coat. Hmm. We have a letter today from our good friend Curtis, who has written us after a, uh, a bit of a break. This is letter is titled Edro. The letter goes as follows. I have been waiting for this for years. 
Edro is from Lord of the Rings. I am friends with the guy who did the Elvish for the Jackson Lord of the Rings film, David Sallow. I recognized Rothfuss's usage of this word as a Tolkien reference and then asked my aforementioned friend about it way long ago. The following is what he had to say. I will quote from Sallow's book first. Edro is the regularly formed imperative, present stem plus O, of the Sindarin verb edra from the old Sindarin etra from the root eter, source a gateway to Sindarin. From where did Tolkien get that word? He answered me directly as follows. Quote, there's an answer to this that's one part fact and one part speculation, though I think reasonable speculation. The fact bit is that the root eter is supposed to be an expansion of the root et, out, especially of movement from in or at one thing to or at another. And edra means not just open, but also come out from concealment. The speculation is that et arises by a conflation of Old English ut, that's out, uh, Latin slash Greek ex slash ek, uh, out of, out from. I can't prove that, but it seems to me to be quite consistent with Tolkien's overall method of language invention. End quote. Uh, back to Curtis's words. It is one of my favorite Easter eggs. Now, what is the Elvish word for friend? If it were up to me, then I would go with Jerdanic. Signed Curtis. But as we all know, it's Melon. Yes, of course. Uh, extre- extremely cool. Yeah. Super cool uh, connection. Super cool uh, insight. I don't know enough about, uh, like, I. I have to really work hard to parse the information that uh, that Salo passed along to us, but uh, very interesting and very interesting to think that it is actually like based in a root of of real world languages. That like there's, it's not just totally made out of whole cloth. It's it's uh, it's based in in some form of reality and history, which is cool as hell. Yeah, that makes sense to me, especially given that Tolkien was you know a linguist by profession that. And I like I knew to some degree that he based the languages like Kenya and Sindarin and Dwarvish and and all that on real world languages to some degree. Like I know he wanted Elvish to sound a bit like Welsh. I know he wanted uh, Dwarvish to sound a certain way. I guess it, it just sort of makes sense that if you're creating a constructed language, you're going to go and you want it like the advantage you have when you're creating a constructed language, you get to decide how you want it to sound. And I guess you, you, you look for the languages that have the kinds of sounds that you want to produce. And then you also get to look at the kind of languages for like the syntax and grammar of how words are constructed uh, to find whatever is most pleasing to you. Uh, so that, that kind of makes sense to me. I'm always fascinated to, to hear how conlangs are, are created and, uh, and what secrets they contain. Dope AF. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll all be practicing our Klingon on Duolingo on tomorrow's page. Of. Uh... Kapla!